Psych in Business podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I'm thrilled to introduce you to my guest today. He's an expert on human behavior who uses his psychological training to help leaders and businesses solve specific problems, which, when working with people, requires behavioral change. As a globally recognized speaker, award-winning psychologist, published scholar, and military veteran, my guest today is Dr. Ryan C. Warner. Dr. Warner is passionate about assisting teams with creating a culture of inclusion to maximize their potential. Using a multi-dimensional approach, he specializes in strengthening leadership, diversity, and wellness in the workplace for large organizations, Fortune 500 companies, and government entities around the globe. Dr. Warner takes an energetic and customized approach when speaking on topics related to responding to microaggression in the workplace, building inclusive cultures, and promoting mental wellness. With a PhD in counseling psychology, Dr. Warner utilizes his expertise on human behavior to drive meaningful, lasting change for his clients. Dr. Warner, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Warner. I'm really excited to be here today. Great. We're so glad to have you. And of course, as a veteran, we want to make sure to thank you for your service and for your sacrifice. So thank you for your service. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great. And that's a really a great segue into you know jumping right into it. I'm really interested to know, because you were in the military doing counseling psychology, how did you end up uh, you know helping teams with things like diversity and inclusion in the business world? Definitely. So my military career really helped serve as a solid foundation to help me grow and expand my skill set when it comes to consulting and coaching. Mm -hmm. And that naturally led its way to me being an entrepreneur. So give you a background. Uh, yeah, completed my PhD at Marquette University in counseling psychology. And during my doctoral internship, I um, was active duty in the United States Air Force. Um, and during that time, I got to do some really cool things, uh, work the Pentagon, visit the White House. Uh, I was in D.C. for a year in my internship. Mm -hmm. And that's what really invigorated me to, you know, engage in public speaking and, you know, use my expertise on human behavior to try to make change uh, within different units. So I would go out and I would conduct briefs. I would coach uh, unit commanders to enhance their leadership skill set. Uh, I would, you know, talk about how to promote a culture of inclusion within the units at the Air Force Base. And once I graduated, I continued that work. And I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, right away, I was the director of psychological health. So uh, <laughs> my job was to be the main psychology consultant for the entire Air Force installation, which was like a small town. Okay. Uh, so I would consult with the wing commander, which was like the mayor of the town, when it comes to improving wellness within units, uh, mitigating suicide, right, and promoting resilience. And, uh, you know, uh, that, that really helped, you know, ignite me to say, hey, I, I think I really want to do this a little bit more, you know, mm -hmm. for a living. So um, part time, that's when I started my consulting company. I started to do different speaking engagements in the community and people would start to pay me. So I was like, hey, let me start a business. Mm -hmm. You know, um, some people are paying me for the service and they found it valuable and they find that I'm filling a gap, you know. Uh, and in turn, you know, started with speaking on microaggressions in the workplace. Then I began talking about stress management and uh, being able to uh, learn how to be empathetic leaders, you know, and uh, being able to convey that knowledge. Uh, people found that it helped them promote 
um, that that culture of inclusion within that workplace. So yeah, in turn, my business began to grow. Um, I hired full time staff. I created an internship program, and I was like, hey, this is something I think I can do full time now. So that's what led me to now get out the military, and now doing this work full time uh, in my capacity as a CEO at RC Warner Consulting. So. Um, Currently, we work with organizations across the globe, uh, mostly large uh, government entities uh, and also Fortune 500 companies to help uh, organizations and teams you know, create that culture of inclusion through enhancing leadership, diversity and wellness within the workplace. Wow, that's that's such an amazing story, Ryan. I'm, I'm really impressed with your journey. And I think it's such a great, great example of how psychology can be helpful anywhere. I mean, you're talking about how you started off. Uh, working at DC and then, and then working at a base and then really using your psychological skills to help other active duty of, um, military people. And I think that's just fantastic. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you did while you were there in the military when you were doing some of your speaking engagements and things? Yes, definitely. So I did therapy part-time in my role as a director of psychological health and, um, to help promote mental wellness, we had to get out of our offices mm -hmm. and not just conduct therapy one on one, but we had to get out to the units and show our face and say, hey, you know, we're the psychologists. We're not these big, bad, scary people. Right. We were here to help you. You know, so the way I did that is by doing briefs and presentations um, in an interactive, fun way to help you, uh, unit members get involved and engage and learn something and be able to give them small mental health tidbits to improve their resilience. So I would go out um, at different like commanders calls and different events. And I'll say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Ryan Warner, I'm a psychologist, and um, here's three ways to promote your mental resilience, mm -hmm. right? And then I will come back uh, a couple of weeks later and say, hey, were you able to implement those strategies? And people would, they would, um, they would actually implement them in their life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would tell their friends. Um, and, you know, the, the word about mental health, you know, is able to spread in an adaptive, positive way. And that stigma began to mitigate. So I was able to touch those individuals, even though I wasn't seeing them individually in psychotherapy. Um, and I, I really found that really powerful, right? Because psychotherapy may not be for everybody, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we know that stigma, in addition to access issues, right? Um, just a huge backlog on mental health clinics. Um, you know, a lot of individuals may not be able to get you know, that one-on-one -on -one care that they need. So sometimes uh, just going out and conveying these, uh, conveying this type of information in a fun, interactive way um, that helped also promote mental wellness. So that's one of the ways in which I was able to continue to expand my speaking skills and, you know, boost my confidence in this arena. Now, so you, you mentioned, you know, uh, mental health and wellness, you mentioned resilience. Well, why is that important in the military? Why is that important to, to effective functioning? So think about the military population. I mean, that's uh, a group in which, you know, they oftentimes are in high risk jobs, um, depending on your specific uh, specialty, uh, move a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. So you may not be in one place. Uh, you may be away from social support. Mm -hmm. um, you, you typically work longer than just nine to five. Um, sometimes we're on call 24 seven, depending on the ops tempo. I mean, there's so many different additional stressors uh, that, that this population may face. So when it comes to promoting that resilience, right, it, it's essential that people are able to, you know, want to come to their job and feel fulfilled, feel that they belong, feel that, 
you know, they are contributing to the mission, right, with their unique skill sets <laughs> and their strengths. So, I mean, it's it's significantly important, right, uh, to promote resiliency within that population just due to the additional challenges they may face. Yeah, no, I, I completely appreciate that. And I think that's you, you've hit on, on a really important mark there in terms of building resilience, right, being able to, to push through some of these challenges. Uh, and I know you now you also do a lot of work in the uh, in the private sector, and I know that you do a lot of work with things like diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you tell us about why that's important and how that helps organizations be successful? So you can't talk about wellness without also talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. They go hand in hand. Oh, awesome. Okay, so so for instance, uh, that's if if I'm able to feel like I belong within the workplace, if I feel like I'm contributing in an adaptive, positive way. Mm-hmm then I'm going to have higher uh, mental health. Uh, I'm going to be able to cope better with stress, Mm -hmm. right? I'm going to feel that I'm valued, right? I'm going to feel a sense of purpose, right? So uh, my business uh, really looks at that intersection between diversity, wellness, and also leadership, because you can't talk about one pillar without talking about the other. For me to create diversity, equity, inclusion, I need leadership on board. Mm -hmm. I need those who influence change to be engaged, right? And that in turn is also going to impact uh, the wellness that we see within workplaces. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to you know those domains together, you know, I, I re- they really feed off of each other. Um, and you know, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, that's something that shouldn't be spoken about um, alone in a silo. Instead, it should be embedded in everything that we do. Okay. Um, um, when we go to the workplace, right, there's individuals of all different backgrounds, mm-hmm. of different generations, of different political affiliations, you know, et cetera. And we want to figure out how we can be able to engage with each other, even though we may have different perspectives and different beliefs. How can we still, you know, mutually respect each other? Mm-hmm. How can we leverage our strengths, you know, so that we can come up with more innovative ideas, right? Um, so that we can accomplish the mission and promote optimal outcomes. So, so ultimately, um, yeah, when I talk about diversity and inclusion, I also talk about leadership, yep. how to get leadership on board, how to mitigate toxicity you know, within leaders, how to boost empathetic leadership, right? And also talk about that influence on just the resilience and the wellness within employees when you do that. Yeah, I love the way that you described that. I don't think I've heard it quite described that way before. It's very unique in terms of speaking about of diversity, equity, inclusion, also really needing leadership Right. And also impacting well-being. I love the, the triangle that you that you create there. I think that's really very helpful. Uh, I, I'm wondering, do you have any examples? I know you do a lot of training for uh, Fortune 500 companies. Do you have any examples of how this work has really helped to have a positive impact on organizations? Definitely. So the positive impact comes in a multifaceted way. So number one, uh, intrapersonal impact. So intrapersonal with we look within ourselves identify how can i mitigate my bias how can i improve my own mental resilience mm-hmm. or my awareness of diversity etc so start with yourself yeah. first um, yep so within ourselves and then the next impact we see is interpersonally so in my keynote speaking workshops you know um and the different type of uh, retreats that i lead i help improve that interpersonal interaction within w- with others mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so how do we communicate in a way that's effective, okay? Um, how do we also mitigate perpetuating microaggressions within the workplace, right? So so, so, so say more about microaggressions because not everybody knows what that is. 
Oh, sure. So microaggressions are subtle, covert forms of discrimination directed towards marginalized populations. Mm -hmm. So these little type of mosquito bites, okay. you know, um, oh, I wouldn't assume that, you know, you'll be educated based on how you look, right? Or, um, oh, you speak English so well okay. if I identified as Asian. Yeah, I've had that. So those little, those little small little, you know, snubs, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes are, you know, impactful, especially when, you know, they, they're reinforced over and over and over mm -hmm. again, right? So interpersonally being able to figure out how we can communicate better, how can we mitigate the impact of bias when we engage, you know, with our coworkers. Um, and then lastly, systemically. So another uh, outcome we see is how can we mitigate systemic barriers? How do we look at our policies? How do we look at our procedures um, and recognize when we're not promoting wellness uh, in an intentional mm -hmm. way or when we're unintentionally promoting bias within our employee handbook, for instance, right? So I help individuals and organizations uh, look systemically as well to mitigate those barriers. So you start really with helping me figure out how, how, how this is impacting me as an individual, help me to change my perspective, and then look at how I'm, how I'm relating to others, my relationship with others, and then look at how the system overall is, is either, um, you know, um, advocating for a specific approach or, or standing in the way of a specific approach. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And every organization needs something different. So some organizations, they just want me to assist them with mitigating systemic policies mm -hmm. and reviewing their employee handbook. Others like, Hey, no, we want all of these different approaches so we can, you know, hit it, um, you know, in different ways so we can promote optimal outcomes. So it all depends, but those, that's the, multifaceted approach that I take okay. when we're working. Yeah, that's, that, sounds, that sounds really holistic. And I, I love anything that's a holistic approach. It seems like you're not just addressing one thing. You're really looking at the elephant as a whole and, and figuring out how can we break it up into different pieces to make sure that we're, we're, we're getting progress. I love that approach. Hmm. Now, I know you've worked internationally as well and done a lot of speaking internationally. Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, you've seen differences in terms of working with businesses in the U.S. versus other countries? Yeah, so I worked with like U.S. Embassy and also United Nations uh, and um, sometimes in different continents. When I talk about microaggressions, mm -hmm. those microaggressions may be displayed in a different way. Okay. <laughs> microaggressions based on language or what side of town that you're from, you know, um, and that really opened my eyes because typically when I talk about microaggressions in the U.S. is more uh, based on race at first mm -hmm. um, um, and, and the color of your skin. Um, um, Although we know the term microaggressions is multifaceted. So uh, not only are we talking about race, but also gender, sexual orientation, religious background, mm -hmm, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But I guess when I, when I speak more internationally, I get more of this uh, different perspective when it comes to microaggressions. Because sometimes based on where I'm speaking yet, I mean, it may be solely based on what's, what side of town you're from mm -hmm. or how you pronounce certain words within a particular language. So, um, yeah, just I always... I love the opportunity to learn as well from other cultures, um, but when I'm when doing this work, yeah, that's that's a great example of how you know what what we might consider microaggression in in, in one country doesn't translate to another country, right? And so being being very mindful of the culture and how things work in different cultures and how they impact the businesses. So Ryan, tell me, you know, as as somebody who has had psychological training and is really very experienced in these things, you're doing a lot of different things here. Can you talk a little bit about how that training and experience really helps you in the work that you do? So, yeah, as a licensed clinical psychologist, 
when it comes to promoting change, mm -hmm. we have to recognize that no one really likes change. Okay, <laughs> we as human beings love to do the same thing and we reinforce that over and over again, mm -hmm. right? And we like to be comfortable, yep. right? Who, who doesn't want to be uh, comfortable, right? Um, so when I go into organizations, especially as an external consultant, sometimes it's challenging to promote change, uh, especially when there's a lot of flaws in the system or when people are not on board or when people are just are not in that 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 stage of change that they need to be in mm -hmm. right to to do something different right so that's definitely the most significant challenge that i see but i utilize you know my expertise you know as a clinical psychologist as an expert in human behavior to figure out how can i meet these organizations and these individuals and these leaders where they're at right um and based on where they're at how can i help engage in motivational interviewing, mm -hmm. identify, you know, what is the benefit of doing this work for you? How, how are they going to benefit? How's their organization going to come stronger? Right. And when I'm able to do that, sometimes that that fuels that fire to help them be a little bit more engaged, you know, um, within this work. So definitely challenging, but uh, a lot of similarities, especially like working in psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah when we're working with individuals who may not want to change, who may not want to improve their well-being. Uh, see very similar challenges uh, as a consulting psychologist. Yeah, that's a great point. I love that point where you're talking about making the parallel between some of the work that you do in the therapeutic setting and applying that to in the business setting, right? You're trying to get an, somebody, a, a patient to, to change in the clinical setting, the similarities to trying to get an employee to make changes in the business setting. And so you bring a lot of that same perspective that you have from your, your, your psychological training to uh, to bear in the business world. And you make such a great point. Like nobody, nobody likes change, right? It's not something that people want to do because we get very comfortable. And uh, if I'm, I'm hearing you right, you're saying it's, it's really about helping that person find motivation, right? Why do they want to change? Find motivation is, is one part of it, but also how they sustain progress. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's another part of mm -hmm. it. So once you have that, that fire lit, you're like, hey, I'm on board, um, and we're able to make that change, whether that be intrapersonally, interpersonally, or systemically, how do you continue those efforts? How do we make sustainable, meaningful change? Mm -hmm. um, so that's another piece as well. Yeah, I love I love the, the, the way that you're talking about it. And it really, thinking about it, it's actually pretty complex, right? Because you're talking about uh, wellness, you're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, you're talking about leadership, and you're talking about all these changes that have to go on at multiple levels, specifically the behavioral, the individual level, in order for all of this to be successful. And you're talking about how you, you know, your experience and your training and working with people has really prepared you to, to do this and to do this well. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is this is such a such a, a great conversation, right? And I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I, I want to give you the opportunity. Um, tell how do people get a hold of you? If people want to you know uh, chat with you or get a hold of your services. How how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, so first you can visit my website www.rcwarnerconsulting.com. You can also email me Ryan R Y A N at rcwarnerconsulting.com. And also find me on social media outlets. Uh, Dr. Ryan C. Warner. Excellent. You can also Google Dr. Ryan C. Warner and my information will come. Excellent. Thank you, Ryan. And, you know, lastly, I want to always take advantage of the experts that we have on the show. And we have you as an expert in the show. So I, I want to ask you, what advice or what tips do you have for businesses and organizations and leaders right now in this time frame? 
So the one piece of advice I have is whatever efforts that you're going to make, whether that be leadership coaching, 360 feedbacks, or bringing a speaker in to talk about microaggressions or diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, make it come from a genuine place, mm -hmm. right? Authentic place. Uh, not just responding to current social issues, mm -hmm. but also making it, you know, uh, genuine, authentic, and sustainable, okay? One and done trainings, one and done workshops don't work, right? How can we take that information, leverage that information to actually do something about it? So we can be, what I like to say, 1% better mm -hmm. uh, within, you know, um, our workplace, 1% better as a leader, right? So, uh, you know, just identifying when you are making those efforts, how can you continue them? And having a plan set up for mm -hmm. them is going to be essential with promoting sustainable, meaningful change. Yeah, I love that you're, you're you're talking about how do we incorporate that into our culture instead of just making a flash in the pan, right? It's not it's not just responding to what's in the news, but it's figuring out how do we change our culture, how do we change our organization, how do we benefit from this change? Yeah, you know, that's awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much for that. All right, well, thank you, Ryan, for for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. It sounds like you're doing some really interesting and fascinating work. Would love to have you come back and tell us a little more about some of the successes that you've had in the future. Uh, otherwise. Thanks for coming on the show, Ryan, and we hope to talk to you soon. All right. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. And for everyone else, we will hopefully see you in the next episode. Bye now.